This is the Third Act Podcast, shining a spotlight on individuals, charities, and small business owners suffering from illness, economic shutdown, or lack of support and funding. Meaningful conversations that generate compassion and financial support from listeners compelled to join us on this journey to improve the lives of others. I'm gonna dance with the stranger. I'm gonna enjoy your show. I'm gonna learn to forgive and really let it go. And most of all, I wanna shine a light on good and look to give back. And that's what I'll do with my third, third act. And now your host, Roger Steed. Welcome, everyone, to the Third Act Podcast. We are blessed to have an opportunity to hear a remarkable story of reinvention and inspiration that is happening in a thrift store in Oklahoma City. A story like this needs to be told and appreciated for what is possible if you are inspired to do good things for others. My guest today is Delisa Herbert. Delisa was introduced to me by Tony and Vicki Bumpus, and it is a real thrill to share the podcast with her today and allow her to share her story for all to hear. Delisa runs and owns a 501c3 nonprofit ministry from her Second Chances thrift store in Oklahoma City. This is not a simple thrift store taking in goods and clothing and selling them to folks that that are looking for a deal. This store and Delisa's own personality is all about changing lives for the better in a remarkable and loving manner that will amaze you and bring a smile to your face. I have talked to Delisa twice over the last month to get a picture of her life. And each time I have talked to her while at the store, she has politely paused and said, give me a second, please. And I hear her talk to a parting customer or a homeless clientele and say a brief prayer to them or with them providing them with the assurance that they are not alone in their journey and that Delisa is ready to help them re-enter society in a meaningful way. I want Delisa to share her story with you, but I also want to express my own opinion that I think Delisa is a true marvel and a blessing to recently incarcerated individuals as well as homeless folks that need a hand up to give their life meaning and purpose. Welcome Delisa and thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you for sharing your story today. Thanks for having me. Delisa, I said in the introduction, you are a marvel and I really mean it. It is amazing what you're doing every day. Before we talk about your work and ministry, let's start the discussion, if you don't mind, about your own reinvention and passion to help men and women with your own comments about your life as a young girl, teenager and young adult. You told me you called it sick and troubled past but please share that experience so our listeners have a feeling from where you came from and uh, what you're doing today, if you don't mind. Sure. So my life story is the whole purpose of second chances and how my life began was I was born into sickness and with a lot of family incest and molestation. And eventually my mother sold me when I was 13 years old. She sold me to a pimp. And I became living in a world of prostitution. I became an addict. I ended up in prison. I was shot and stabbed multiple times and survived. I ended up going to prison for, I went to prison three times and I ended up becoming a drug addict. I was high for 30 years. And each time 
I went to prison three times and each time coming out of the, out of prison, I had the same plan to do the same thing. And solely because it was all that I knew from birth to date. I just, all I can recall is that I mastered the sickness that was given to me and everything was normal. And so I just became very good at it. And of course, using drugs was my way of coping probably with the pain that I didn't really understand that I had. I am a survivor of domestic violence and human trafficking and sex trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and all those things. And coming to work every day is such a joy for me because I get to look the same people as me in the eye. Incredible story, incredible background. It makes me think, just hearing you express that and those details, where was your mind when you were released from prison for the final time? Were you, again, just planning to go back into, as you call it, the cycle of pain and addiction? Or were you looking for help from agencies and people that were reaching out? Or, or were they pe people to reach out when you finally came out of prison? It was 11 years ago, so there wasn't as many resources as there are today. But in fact, I did have a plan, and my plan was to do the same thing. And uh, while I was in prison, I was in college classes and I was the college professor's assistant. And uh, they had started a new program at Hope Community Services for women who were dual diagnosed with mental health issues and substance abuse issues. And she asked me if I would be interested in just trying that. And, and I was, and I met with the directors and I met with them and I was a great fit for them. And I would be the first person in the Ricket program. And I told the guy, hey, if you're there to pick me up, I, I'll try to do it your way. But if you're not there, I'm going to do it my way. And on my release, nobody was there to pick me up. He couldn't make it. And so I was finishing up my paperwork. But by the time I got out of the gates, he had multiple people there to pick me up on his behalf. So I got out and they set me up in a hotel and I had already had a job. And... I moved forward from there. So my plan was to be the same, but there was a program that was perfect for me and it was an amazing program. So I didn't fail. My plans changed and uh, it was the start of me. You told me earlier in the week a remarkable little story that I'd like for you to share with our community, but it's what I call your wow moment while you're working at IHOP as a waitress. Please share the story with our audience about meeting Mrs. Rhonda. Sure. I love Miss Rhonda. So I was, a, a while I was in prison and re being released from prison, I was in halfway. So I was still working at a IHOP while I was in prison and I was our trainer. So on my release, I had all the tables, I had a, a full section of request customers and all the customers people didn't want to take. I had people sitting in my section doing Bible study all the time. And one day I was going to, over to the table on a crazy busy Saturday. And I was so upset with Miss Rhonda for sitting in my section. And I was dropping her food off. And she says to me, she looked up at me, the unapproachable me, and said to me, Hey, Delisa, would you like to learn about Jesus? And in that moment, I just started crying. And that was my wow moment. So that was on Saturday and Monday that following Monday, I started Bible study with her and then every Monday Bible study with her. And then I started teaching that Bible study and then I got baptized and that was it. And you start, was you started moment. teaching like, Bible study. That's terrific. That's yes. Great. That's great. That's great. Yeah. That leads into 
you shared a little bit, but I want to know more. I want to hear more about the kind people at the Memorial Road Church of Christ in Edmond. Talk about that a little bit, what that experience was like and how those beautiful people helped you uh, get started again. It was just amazing. So I started, so I got baptized at Memorial Road and then I, I was there every Sunday and every Wednesday and just sitting in service one Sunday, my pastor says to the congregation, like, who in here is wasting their giftedness? And I said, surely he must be talking to me. <laughs> so I, I had already been out of uh, prison about a year and uh, I'd already had my daughter and she was very young, not quite two. So I'd been out a couple of years meeting Miss Rhonda, already studying, being involved in church. He said, who in here is wasting their giftedness? And I said, surely he must be talking to me. And uh, I left church that day thinking about buildings and praying about what I had been doing since I'd been home from prison. It was super important to me to have these great material things, a Louis Vuitton, a BMW, really nice jewelry. In that moment of that that Sunday, I I realized that even though I had given my life to God, I was still serving worldly things. And so I put this little plan together in my mind, not on paper, but in my mind that I could sell this BMW that I worked so hard for and these Louis Vuitton that I just had to have and this Rolex that just so beautifully sat on my wrist. Yep. And uh, I sold everything. And I, I filled my store with racks. I bought wood to build shelves. I sold the BMW and bought a cargo van. I sold my Rolex and paid the rent for a few months. And just asked God, okay, now what do you want me to do? <laughs> I want to open this place. I want to name it Second Chances. I want to help women who are broken, just like me. I want to help them get jobs. And I want to help them get off the street. And I want them to be away from domestic violence situations. And I just want to love them. But most importantly, I want them to know that I see them. And I want them to know about Jesus. I think that's great. Now, you told me that you opened the store in March of 2017. And it really just culminated from a lot of uh, faith and prayer. But go into a little bit more about those early days when you were just dealing with women. What was it like? How long did it take you to feel comfortable that you're on the right track and you're doing the right thing? I never felt uncomfortable about being on the right track. I did feel like God was trying to tell me, this is where I need you to be, but there's so much more that you need to be doing. It's not just about women. It's about men and women who are broken. It's about men and women who are coming out of prison. It's about men and women who get out of prison and become homeless and get back on drugs because there's no resource available for them. There's nobody that actually sees them, prays with them, believes in them, or just can communicate on an eye-to-eye -eye level with, without feeling judged. Right, right. So we just, we implemented so much more behind that. But it was hard. Opening second chances was hard. I was living off my credit cards. It was really hard. But my faith was so much bigger than my fear. And I knew this is where God wanted me to be. So I never gave up. I was here from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every single day trying to make it work. Fantastic. That's really amazing. And you told me earlier in the week as well that you work with a couple of uh, important agencies, the Hope Community Service and Diversion Hub. Can you talk about how they work with you to 
help these men and women that are looking for re-engaging or reinventing themselves? Yes, absolutely. So Hope Community Services works diligently with men and women who are coming out of prison, who live on the streets, who deal with mental health issues, substance abuse issues, being houseless. A lot of clients come in our door every single day. So I'm able to put the, pair them with the right people. So Hope Community Services has case managers that are mobile and will come directly to Second Chances. We set their meetings up here where they can come in and get a hot meal, get for the interview, and then get their paperwork done and get them, you know, on. And then Diversion Hub, the same thing. Diversion Hub gets the people that are actually inside the county jail. And instead of trying to uh, focus on the reentry and the end of incarceration, they prevent the incarceration. So they'll come here. We'll get them help with housing, clothing, food, a job, and just pray with them. And then just let them know that this is a revolving door. There's no reason to give up. It seems really hard right now, but let us walk with you, alongside you, and help you every step of the way. Now let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about what you do at the thrift store every day. What you shared with me earlier is just amazing, but talk about what you provide anyone that comes in off the street or is introduced to you by an agency, what do you do for each individual? So anybody, any of the situations that we do, well, anybody at all, actually, they can come in, <clears throat> they can come to the table and they get a full sack lunch that is 24 hours worth of food for them. A sandwich, chips, fresh fruit, protein bar, water. For the homeless people, it's light hygiene, so it's small size hygiene, like toothpaste, toothbrush, soap, shampoo, and then they'll get a hot meal to go with it. Today was fajitas with rice and chips and um, turkey and cheese sandwiches. Tomorrow's going to be um, Chinese food. So that's for our homeless people. But if they're coming, that's for street homeless people. Couch homeless people, they get the same thing as that, but they also get to visit the pantry because they have the ability to cook. So they can come in the big pantry and they'll get full-size hygiene and food for the week so that they can cook whole meals. People that are coming out of prison, they come in, they get three outfits, they get to visit the pantry, they get to visit the hygiene pantry, they get a bus pass, they get a job, and they get to find out about transitional or sober living houses. And then people that are in transitional or sober living houses, they get to, they get all the same things and a job. They get uh, set up with help going to getting to and from a job and they get to visit the food pantry. They get clothing and the ones that are getting out of prison that are going into like sober living or transitional living, we pay for their first month inside sober living or transitional living. Great, great, great. <laughs> we don't want them to be discouraged. You told me on Tuesday that on that day, on Tuesday, you feed between 70, uh, 50 and 75 people a day, a day. Every, every day. Which is amazing to me. That's incredible. I know you indicated you have a few precious uh, volunteers that help out preparing some of the hot lunches, but you need more volunteers, right? This is my opportunity for you to reach out through oh, the community. Oh, yes, please. Let's, uh, let's try to recruit some volunteers. Where do you need help the most? We need help in uh, making uh, sandwiches, making lunches, uh, people that might want to bring a hot meal, like a casserole or a soup or hot. We need help in the warehouse. We need help in the pantry. We need help like with people being present inside the store to pray with our, our customers. 
our clients, our friends. And to connect with you and to set up and to get scheduled, just call this main number, the 405-470-6530. Is that the best way to, to do it? That's exactly right. And right now we're having such a, a terrible time in Oklahoma City. Like just this morning, three camps were bulldozed. And so everybody that we've gotten set up this week with tents and sleeping bags and food and all of that, like they've lost all their stuff. So they have to start all over. So if anybody has any sleeping bags or tents, we are in dire need. We gave out everything. This is my my opportunity to reach out to our community and say, if anyone has a kind heart and wants to get involved with this terrific uh, organization and help Delisa serve so many people, please uh, reach out and call her number and find a way to, to help out because it's, it's most needed. You mentioned just now the camps, three of the camps are being torn down or were torn down, but you do help some people find housing and work. Can you explain that a little bit too as well? Sure. So the housing is by way of Ezekiel House, which is a house that is connected to Second Chances. My husband got it so that I could house the people that I try to help, but it only capacitates eight people. So I just resource out to a lot of my friends that have been following my journey the past 11 years that have houses and they put them inside their rooms. And again, we will take care of the first month for them so that they could get a job and resources met that need to get met. When those eight rooms are filled, what do people that are waiting for rooms, what what do they do or how do they find housing? They go to people that we partner with. They go to Better Together Recovery and they go to other houses that I work right alongside with that are faith-based and are doing life the way we do it here at Second Chances where it's not on, it's not in a worldly way. It's more, let's follow what the Bible says to do about it. And then let's replace God's word with uh, drugs or alcohol. Gotcha. Gotcha. I want to talk about, we talked about volunteers helping with food preparation and and that, which is quite needed. But you also, you need donors that are offering clothing, appliances, special items in your store that can be resold so that you get the funds in so you can help all these people, correct? Can you talk about that? What, What is most needed in the store? that other people can buy that can help your whole process or your whole program? The things that help pay the rent are going to be furniture pieces or large appliances. We give out so much clothing. We always need clothing, but we give that away for free. So we don't typically make money from clothing, but we want to have it the very nicest stuff on the racks. And we will sell that clothing because that's, and that's the same clothing that we dress our houseless friends or our friends that are living on the street because we want them to feel good. Uh, but, and you said, you told me you have a truck, right? So you, if someone calls up and they have something to donate and can't physically bring it into the store, you can help them pick it up correctly, correct, and bring it in, right? Yes. That's exactly right. So again, another pledge besides food preparation, we also need donors who are willing to donate appliances, furniture, things where Delisa and her group can make money to help fund this worthy cause. So please, uh, please connect with her, call her and uh, come through the website, however, but uh, make that connection because it's so meaningful. Finally, I just wanted to say, and it's connected to all this, but you do have a donate button on your website. So again, if someone wants to make a financial contribution to your cause, they can hit that simply and make a either monthly or one-time donation. And I'm sure that's going to be quite meaningful. You talked to me about 
some of the needs that you have that you need to fund. And actually, you told me an interesting twist, which totally makes sense after talking to you. But you want to have more free time to get out and socialize and pray with your guests and your clientele instead of being in the back making lunches all day long. So anyone that can help in any of these facets is going to free you time to do your ministry, which I think is so important, and to bring more people up and to as I say, give them a helping hand. So that's what it's all about, yeah. right? Yes, I would like to focus more on people and less on sales. But if they do push that donate button, just know, like just yesterday and today, I spent $378 on thermal blankets, $600 on um, sleeping bags. Right. Like yesterday, yeah. I spent $300 at Sam's Club because we ran out of supplies for inside the lunch bags. Our staple pantry is super full all the time, but our daily, we have such an influx in daily lunches. It's crazy. When camps are shut down, it really, we feel it and we don't want to turn anybody away. So again, it's so meaningful and so needed. So please give. Finally, I wanted to just touch base on this nice recognition you received recently with this, what I call the Community Service Award from 405 Magazine for Amazing Women making a difference in Oklahoma City. It's called the H-E-R-H.E.R Award. And tell our listeners a little bit about that and your surprise to be selected and what it means to you, please. <laughs> yes, I was surprised to be selected. I was picked out of many candidates and it's a huge honor for me and a blessing. I was up against some pretty powerful women. <laughs> and sometimes we don't really see what we're doing here at Second Chances because it's what we love to do. Sure, sure. So it's an honor to be celebrated for something that God has given me the gift of. That's great. That's great. So there's going to be a, a full presentation and uh, dedication yes. to your efforts. Yes. The magazine comes out October 1st, and I think the celebration is the first week of October. Okay. okay. I assume you get to be a little dolled up and look good for the picture and the presentation. So that must be fun. Yeah, it was a great photo shoot. It was I saw some. You, showed, you sent me some. They're, <laughs> they're great. They're great. <laughs> I'll close by saying it's so much deserved. Every time I get off the phone with you, I think, oh my gosh, what great stuff you're doing. And uh, it's so needed, obviously in Oklahoma City, but it's also needed in other parts of the country as well. Thank you so much again for what you're doing. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the call. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Third Act Podcast. To find out more about who we are spotlighting, how to get involved, or find show notes on today's episode, go to wearethirdact.com. With my third